Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode of Cast and Crank is brought to you by Black Tide Fishing. Located in the heart of Southern California, Black Tide Fishing offers a wide range of products, including hats, shirts, sweatshirts, zip-ups, and offshore jackets. All products available online at blacktidefishing.com. Use code CAST and CRANK for a 25% discount on select products. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Tide Fishing. Inspired by the journey, Savages of the Sea, we are Black Tide. to cast and crank uh i really fucked this one up bad <laughs> i screwed the pooch on this one fuck you pro tools <laughs> don't buy them because they fucking suck cock but <laughs> I'm, I'm really pissed about this one and i'm gonna leave all this shit in too <laughs> so uh well welcome to cast and crank uh i'm nick uh and then we have justin the what's up? we have eric bent hey there and danny hello hello uh, so today we're going to do Q and A, uh, and I'm still fucking with shit. Sorry, guys, if you <laughs> making sure everyone's loud enough. <clears throat> um, we're going to do Q and A today. I was going to play the audio, but we kind of ran out of time because I screwed the pooch, like I said before. Um, so I'm just going to read it off. <laughs> so, so I'm going to, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get going. But I do have a. Uh, a couple of things I want to say. We did finish the shirts, so if you guys want to support, uh, DM us on Cast and Crank. Uh, the shirts are 15 bucks with shipping. Uh, it'd be great to help support, so if you can do that, awesome. Uh, and we're having a new ad this week. It'll be Black Tide Fishing. Again, help support through Black Tide. They're going to give a discount if you guys go to the website and your Cast and Crank. And uh, we're going to start, so we're going to do Q&A today. Let me open my phone so you can see this shit. <laughs> dude, uh, nothing's working right, dude. That new logo Fuck. looks killer, Justin. <laughs> you did a good job with that logo. That looks killer. Oh, with thanks. The For sure. <laughs> All right. We're going to start with the very first person that sent in a question. You going to put the hackles in, too? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> They're all hackles. <laughs> so this one is from... Uh, Fisher underscore 942 Deegan. And his question is... You answer that one, Danny. Me? <laughs> uh, I have a question for your Q&A. 
what are some ways you can be cost effective as a younger angler? Ex- uh, inexpensive baits and cheap ones. You know, like cool. what, are, what are some good options? So it seems like he's a younger guy, doesn't have a lot of money. Walmart. Yeah. 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 Got to say it. Yeah. Walmart is <laughs> the savior. There's a lot of uh, stuff in there that definitely gets bit, but and it's cheap. What, what kind of baits would you guys like? Couple. So say, say you had like three baits you're going to try. What would you get from Walmart for inshore? I'm sure this guy's going to short pound probably. So. Oh, for sure. I'm going to tell. I'm going to say the flukes. You yeah. know, they got packages of Do flukes they have in zoom, there. That, the that, zoom flukes there. Yeah. Really. I got the zoom flukes, and then they got the little ones that you can. Uh, that people drop shot mm-hmm. yeah so you have the the split tail and then you have the other i don't even know what the hell they call those things but they're like almost like a little jerk shad i guess yeah like okay. the bass assassin yeah guy. yeah yeah cool cool and then maybe uh the power baits like infused bass lures not the power bait dough bait but that power bait that stuff gets bit on the inshore stuff pretty well yeah they have gulp at walmart too so yeah. gulp, oh gulp there you worms. go sandworms yeah sometimes there's some pretty good deals in there on rods like if you go yeah. in like some of the fenwick uh jig and worm rods that are like you look at them look for extra hat extra fast action extra heavy whatever because it's a freshwater rod those work great in, in inshore and sometimes they're like 39 bucks or Something like that, and go to the bargain bin. But yeah, or, would... or if you're shysty like me, yeah. uh, they have the Vendetta rods. I like the, Viden- yeah. the Abu Garcia Vendetta yep. rods. I used to, <laughs> and uh, you could switch some numbers around. <laughs> Take Daddy, a price tag hey, off Daddy, though. Daddy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> when there. I first started, maybe uh, you know you fucking switch some price tags around. <laughs> I did that shit. <laughs> I feel like a piece of shit when I, the uh, Sports Authority was going out of business. And they had a, and uh, someone told me, dude, flip the fucking price tag. So it was Mike Iaconelli drop shot rod. And it was like, I put the fucking $10 fucking price tag on it. Like a pile of shit. I feel so bad. <laughs> and I fucking checked out. The guys don't give a fuck. They just check it out and they said, yeah, whatever. They don't know. Uh, yeah. if, if that kid, if that guy's going to go to, uh, this come out obviously soon enough for Fred Hall, but there's good deals at Fred Hall, like at Big Five and Turner's, because they'll, Get rid of a lot of inventory on stuff that you know they want to make room for. So yeah, that's a good shit, deal. And they, I was listening to a funny somebody was talking about pink fishing line. Remember the old days with the mm-hmm. Andy and stuff. Like, go to Mono for your your uh, your leader material. If you're going to put braid on there, you, you know I, I I'm a firm believer you don't really need fluorocarbon a lot of times for inshore bass fishing. No, nah. just get a, a 200 yard spool of Mono. Yeah. It's going to cost you less than a 25-yard spool or 50-yard spool of fluorocarbon. So yeah. Just, even if you want to use that pink because you believe in that color, yeah, yeah. that might be cool. I don't know. Just a little, maybe an idea. San, uh, Sankos, too. Yeah. Yep. Lately, a lot of people have been using those, huh? Sankos, yeah. They're, well, I mean, they, they have the Gary Yamamoto ones at, uh, yeah. at Walmart. Those are, you know, they, they don't come down in price. They're, you pay the same shit anywhere you go. But they, I've been using the, the Yum ones. Uh-huh. Cheaper, uh, and I think they're a little bit more durable than the Yamamoto's are. There's a, I think it's called Bulk Baits or something on Instagram. They have, you could buy a ton of Sankos for like 10 they're bucks. Cheap, yeah. There's like a, there's a lot of, I guess, and there's a lot of new little bait companies that are awesome too. Wacom Baits, yeah. Combat mm-hmm. Baits, Baker. Yeah, Baker ba- Baits. Yeah. All these guys make cool stuff, speed baits, you know, yeah. like fucking. 
Go ahead and grab their shit. I'm and I'm just saying what I see. Yeah, be I don't know shit. I'm letting home. I'm letting fucking Danny and Eb do it. I'm not uh, <laughs> an idiot over here fucking trying to. Talk. There's some deals to be had at Fred Hall if you. Give there you me, go. Yeah, I'd say Big Five and Turners are probably going to be. Yeah. For... So the next question, uh, this is for Eb. This is yeah. from uh, <laughs> Jason Quimby, anchor team. Uh, one of the most inspiring stories I've ever heard. Is of a monster uh, bass at the SEI Calico Western Outdoor News event. Um, I think it uh, four stroke outboard was one. So he wanted to hear that one. And uh, tournaments format. Yeah, so just, yeah, pretty much that story. He just wanted to hear if you could break that down real uh, quick. That's a long one, but I don't want to get into all that. It was, you know who Greg Parasini is? Like Don Patrol Team, John Turner, Rich Marcel. No. Like, uh, ben Seacrest talked about it. Okay. They're like, some of the original guys that were really dedicated to just fishing calicos. And Greg and John were fishing SWBA first first few years. <clears throat> and then Greg asked me to fish with him and his buddy. And I was like, dude, that was like my hero. That was the guy, you know, the nine-inch Mondos and all that. So we fished that tournament. And it was out of Dana Point. It was a one-fish bass tournament, either calicos or sand bass. And uh, we went to Clemente, and we were on Greg's boat. And... <laughs> He, he, we caught some fish in the morning right on the west or east end of the island, kind of front side east end a little bit, right right on the tip, actually. And I don't know, I leaned over, and he had one of those detailer um, water containers for his live well. Yeah. That thing held like 90 gallons or something. But I broke the, the fitting off, and it was filling the boat with water. Oh, and so he, t- he was rad. He took a, a bunch of swim baits and, like, shoved them in the hole just to plug <laughs> it. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Boat self drains. And, and then... Uh, we got a five, and I was like, you know, I didn't catch a lot of big calicos, you know. And I'm like, dude, this thing's killer. He's like, throw it back. And I'm like, dude, five. <laughs> and then he gets, I get like a six, or he gets a six. Are you going to put that in there? He's like, no. And he keep, and we're like, five, six, five. I'm not, this was like incredible. And then I think we got a seven. And he goes, ah, that might get like fifth place or fourth place for luck. Yeah, we'll put it in there, whatever. And then uh, the pump died on the for the live well. So I'm like, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden I hear the splash. And Greg jumps over in the water. He's like, hey, hand me, there's a little Allen wrench up on the dashboard. Hand me the Allen wrench. Mm-hmm. And he took, you know, on the whalers, they have that external pump. You know, so he's underwater and unscrews the, the pump for the live well, throws it in the boat. And he's like, there's a new one in the bow. Will you grab that for me? I'm like, what? You know, in the, in the surf zone, like right in up in the pool. Like, and, stuff. Oh. and I'm like, no way. <laughs> It wasn't big swell, but we're really close to the beach. And so I, I undo it from the bubble pack, you know, I hand it to him and he goes underwater. He goes, hand me the screws. I give him these two little Allen screws and he goes under, holds his breath. And I see him down there twisting the little <laughs> Allen wrench. He's like, I hope I don't drop this one. You know, and he goes and gets the other one. He tightens it up. And then he's like, there's a battery up there too. He guy brought an extra car battery. He Smart. Had it the bow. So I go up there, I carry, you know, between my legs, put it back there. He comes up and strips the wires back and then like undoes the little nut on the, the battery oh, terminals. <laughs> and then that lasted the rest of the day. It was killer. So <laughs> we went around the corner right there at Pyramid and uh, we fished and we got a few more. And uh, I'll never forget this. I was throwing a, it was a rain shadow, broomstick of a rod and a Daiwa Saltiga, you know, the, le- the star drag yeah, yeah. and just a lock drag. I was winding a six-inch pearl swim bait on a one-ounce lead head. You know, I put all the glitter and the eyes on it, thinking it was yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. And there was some swell coming, and uh, he goes, Greg goes, cast right there. Make a long cast. I wind it, and I see this calico rush out. He eats it. And I had a lock drag, and it just... It pulled probably... 
15, maybe 20 feet of line, just like it was nothing, Shit. you know? And I wind it, and he, the rod loaded up, and I just it's torquing me. And I see it dodge the other way around this kelp stringer, and I just lean back as hard as I could so he wouldn't get around it, and he just planed up above it, and then I, it was really quick. It was over in 10 seconds, probably. Yeah. And I swinged it, swinged it back, and he nets it, and it's he's behind the console. He's got the net in one hand. He goes, hang on. And I look, and here comes a wave. Oh, and it's puffing on the outside. And he's got the net. He hasn't even brought the fish in. He just punches the throttle. And, we go, and right then, this kid, his name was Alex. He's on the bow. He's like, I'm bit too. And he's sitting on the bow of the boat. And he's surfing. <laughs> I look back, and he's skimming an eight-pounder across the <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and we go over the wave, and boom, as we come down. And he was fishing a Trinidad 14. Like, that guy doesn't fish baitcasters. It's all big, tall reels or Trinidads or whatever. Yeah. And... Uh, Alex gets in. He's like, look at this one. And he's, he's like at 80. He's all, it's not as big as Eric's. Look at this thing. And he pulls it up and he goes, I'll never forget this. He goes, game over. We win. It's got the head of an 11. This is true story. He goes, it's got a head of an 11. It's got the body of a nine. It's going to weigh right at 10. And I'm like, really? I've never I've even seen one that big before. Yeah. Right? So we throw it in there and the, this, the thing goes on its side, on its side all day. Uh-huh. And it was like at nine o'clock in the morning. He's like, we can go back Fuck. now. But weigh-ins not till like four or five. And you could weigh in early though if you wanted no, to. No, they weren't even going to set up the scales to like two or three right. or something. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you think the chances of we getting a bigger one are? And he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, we're not going to get a bigger one. But we had, we kept getting fives and sixes and sevens. But so we get back to the scale and it, um, it went 9.94. Wow. And I, you know, uh, this guy, Sean Turner, he's got this thing. He says, nines don't count. And today, and he goes up to me, goes, you know what they say, nines don't count. I'm like, fuck you, Yeah, so we won that tournament, and yeah, we won a 150 Yamaha four-stroke. No way, that's, that's awesome, awesome, dude. Stuff. But, you know, that fish, I can't really claim it, because Greg put me on it. You yeah. Know, and he had the boat. I would have never gone there. I would have never. So you can't, it's like kind of like he fished through my rod, you know? It's like. No, I, I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll Like, I'll go fishing with Jeff or some of these guys and like the last bass I caught was a fucking that was a seven pounder that was my biggest mm-hmm. on my boat and that wasn't because of I fucking went right. there and right. Jeff fucking told me hey we've been fishing this spot a lot yeah. you know throw this here so it's kind of like I'm super stoked it's my biggest but it wasn't yeah. my doing yeah exactly. you know what I'm saying and I feel I agree with you on that until you learn like my surf fish that was fucking mine. That's eight pounds yeah, of fucking exactly. calico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll yeah. claim that, but not not uh, a fucking. I love the rep. story. Don't because it, it was an experience. Yeah, 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 the guy yeah definitely. I looked up yeah. to and read about in the magazines uh-huh. and then the whole live well thing and then the crashing through the waves and all that. That was really fun. And um, but he he gets a hundred percent credit for that. Fish. Yeah, I don't, so it wasn't the cast or the the hook set. None of that stuff. It was his. So that great, was fun. great, nice. Here's one for Danny. All right, this is from uh, Corey. I don't know how to say his name. I think it's CF Fish Pant Outdoors, I think. Corey, oh, yeah. Yeah, good old Corey. We oh, love dude. him, dude. Uh, hey, this is questions for Danny. Curious on what your thoughts were on winter bass fishing. Uh, you know, one day it's sunny, then the other overnight it's rainy, and it's just going crazy. You know, uh, chocolate milk water. Yeah, yeah, Same yeah. thing. What's your what's your outlook? Because you flip a lot of dots, so I got to pee. I'm going to let him take this over. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, they're how do I say this? I think people overthink actually going out there and what they should use, when time of day. I've 
caught him on the slack tide. I've caught him on a, a two knot flood. I've caught him on a on a trickle going out. I think people overcomplicate trying to fish the the, the harbor and the yeah. bays. I think you just you got to get out. I mean, I've had you know a lot of people say uh, they don't bite on the slack tide. Yeah, you know, water's not moving. Uh, I've had plenty of days where I just freaking smashed the hell out of them. <laughs> And, you know, me personally, I don't know how anybody else fishes out there, but especially, like, let's bring up the slack tide issue. <clears throat> a lot of bass like to eat in a, uh, uh, on the drop, on the fall, right? Yeah. So if you're using a 3-8 ounce head and it's slack tide, you're pro- that bait's just zooming by any particular fish that might be in the area. So just scale back. I, me personally, when I fish the slack tides i go weightless oh nice uh, give it a longer fall longer period to fall and they yeah. come and smack the hell out of it chocolate water ugly dirty water milk you know chocolate milk water uh, they still gotta eat they still have to eat yeah it's uh, they they use their lateral line like everything else and if something passes by in front of them that they then they're hungry they're gonna they're gonna eat I just went out a couple of days ago. Well, actually, no, not last you night. You go out last night? Not last night. Oh, the night before. Raining like a the, motherfucker. The night before, <laughs> and it was dumping. You know, a lot, you know, it was it, it was raining pretty pretty good. Water was chocolate milk. Yeah. Right. But they don't. Sh- I, personally, I feel that when the water is dirty like that, they hunker down to to structure more than than days where it's not like as chocolate milky or dirty water. So, you know, you focus more on structure, you know, pilings and stuff like that. That's how I was getting bit the other night in, in uh, dirty water. It was just right. Every time I was dragging right by a piling, there was a fish there. Yeah. yeah. So almost you know, like they go, it's a safe zone or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's something that comfortable. Exactly. They, they need to orient when, when, yeah. when they, when you, when the water takes away their eyes, they need to orient to something and i think they orient more uh, around structure so you know focus on that if you're gonna fish the dirty water yeah and you should do pretty well you see i've kind of um noticed not all the times like, like you said it, it changes you know every day is a new day but i've had surprisingly good f- fishing in either brown red tide where there's not even an inch of visibility in a foot or less of water <clears throat> it's almost like those fish kind of feel a little bit more secure going shallower when, yeah. when the water's real dirty like that like even at the oil islands i've had like geez hit a rock bounce in the water 1000 oh there he is yep. like six inches of water four pounder jeez you know so i don't know sometimes it seems like they'll move shallower when the water's dirty right? definitely mm-hmm. i agree right all right justin gets to talk guys <laughs> here we go <laughs> we're gonna question. hear justin talk hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> brandon sherman i'm hoping i'm saying that right uh says, during a tournament, which style is more productive? Covering water, multiple spots, or finding a zone and plucking through every fish that lives there? Ooh. Every. Read the, or, read yeah. The, read the three yeah, choices I just again. Use... <laughs> 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 yeah. covering, uh, covering water or multiple spots, or finding a zone and just. Working going... a zone for yeah, a long time. A yeah, maybe. I would say a lot of it depends on your style of fishing. For me, I'm more of a multiple spot guy, but like Ben Florentino, I've seen that guy sit on a spot for four hours and not catch anything, but he's there when they turn, decide to turn on. 
I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> you know, I just, oh, man, time's ticking. I got to leave. I gotta yeah, go yeah. Spots. The problem with fishing 50 spots is you can, all 50 <clears> can bite, but you might be there at the exact wrong time on all 50. If you, I think, pick your best spots and maybe rotate through those, I don't know. Um, it's almost like you got to look at it like fun fishing. I think the guys that actually fish better in tournaments fish more like they regularly do on any given day rather than... Because you, you go out and you're successful. Whatever it is, you're successful. But then on a tournament day, you do something completely different. Well, fuck, you were successful. Why did you quit doing that? Yeah. I, I've been guilty of doing that. Still am, you know, whenever I fish. So I think picking your best spots and don't... I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. i got to be at this spot at this time, at this tide. That very rarely works out because there's so many different conditions in the ocean. The tide, yeah. the current. The, Variables play, yeah. play. Definitely play a... I don't tournament fish at all. I just, you know... I, I fish just to pass the time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times it's just right place, right time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get, get there might be a, a, a little section of water that you're fishing in the back bay that may not have any current. And you go around the bend and you see a little bit of water movement. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're just knocking the shit out of them. So right. I, I move around. Yes. You guys are both, both rather move around than kind of just focus yeah. on one yeah. spot and try to pick every section of that spot. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, Benny's the only guy I've ever seen that will just commit to a spot and he's got the, you know, the, the proof and he'll to show kind of figure results. it out. Yeah. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah. There's yeah. a, yeah, it's like a multiple part oh, we'll question, just, but we'll read that part because it, we got a shitload of questions. Thanks guys for calling in. <laughs> I'm trying to get to as many as I can. So, uh, all right, let's see what the next one is. Is from Lalalu422 on Instagram. This is our first uh, a woman to actually text in. So it says, uh, Hey, fellas, this is uh, Luana Johnson from Chino. <clears throat> I have a couple questions. If you could catch a 10 pound calico from the shore, float to our boat, which one would you choose and why? Which one feels more connected to nature's element for the best experience? Ooh. Also, do fish fart? <laughs> <laughs> like I, we were talking about this earlier, I think they do because it smells like shit in fucking Long Beach Harbor. So they must fart a I lot. I was wondering what those little bubbles were right there <laughs> off of <in> Long Beach. <laughs> but yeah. uh, what do you guys feel like? Uh, I mean, have you? What's your biggest uh, from each? I guess that's hard because not everyone's landed it from shore. Like, yeah, my biggest is from shore. Yeah. So I could say I don't. I thought that the shore was better than the the seven pounder and the and the break wall because right. you're you're able. I had to dodge all kinds of boilers when I caught mine. So like you know, yeah. to me the shore was better because it was like. I feel like on shore you're just like kind of using your rod to fight everything. Where when you're on a boat, you know that you can move the trolling motor a little more to it. Or yep. to me, or your but what do you guys? There to help. So yeah, so yeah. So what do you what do you think? Personally, I mean, I I do both. I fish from the skiff, and I fish. For, I don't float tube. I fish from my skiff. I fish from shore, and I think it's more rewarding when you catch a big one from shore. Yeah, yeah. Only because you know you're, you're pulling them out from wherever they're living, yeah. and when you're as you're getting closer to to shore, it gets more shallow. 
So you have to put, you know, you have to have that constant pressure on the fish. And the big ones aren't fucking stupid. <laughs> no, no, they know. No. Yeah. They know the first place to run and rock yeah, you exactly. And if you can pull out a good one from shore, I think it's a bigger. Yeah, because uh, you're coming from deep to shallow. Yeah, give, coming yeah. on a boat. A lot of times you're, you're coming to deep. Yeah. yeah, bringing them out to deeper water. True. I, that guy I was telling you about Greg uh, Parasini. He would have float tube Corona Del Mar a lot. In the old original round ones, and his deal was oh, this is a no guy that uh, I think Ben and Jim you were talking yes. about, right? Okay, yeah. and he would get there before sun up, and then like just as the sun would get up, it's over. And he had a lot of really big fish from a float tube. So I think yeah, either from shore or float tube is really because you're right there in nature. You're not on a piece of fiberglass with all these controls and electronics right. and you know, yeah. comfy gear and all that. Definitely awesome. Let's get that was a good next. question. Yeah, yeah really. And then uh, let's see. This one is we got that one already. Uh, all right. This is from Daniel from Redemption Swim Baits. Cool guy. Uh, if there was one bait you could fish for the rest of your life, Ooh. what <laughs> would it be? <laughs> go for it, Eric. Go ahead, take that one first. <laughs> oh man, that's. Uh, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Six inch Reaction Innovations Boom Boom Tube. There it is. There it is. Yeah, Texas rig, half ounce, some kind of gnarly hook, and peg it with a toothpick. I've got to say the same thing. It's got to be a tube. Really? Yep. Both of you guys yep. being on tubes. Yep. Wow. You feel like that's the most productive bait? Like, it's just so is that Is that yeah. a go-to yeah. bait when you guys are struggling to? Sometimes, depending Sometimes, on the... Sometimes, depending on yeah. like the application or the technique that yeah. you're, where you're, where you're fishing, you know? Makes sense. But... I've always done really well on tubes, and I think it's just a, it's a forgotten kind of bait that not many people yeah. are into. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. You can do so much with them, too. The rigging possibilities are, like, endless. Yep. Yeah. I like that big six-inch one. Like, I, I get the boom-boom tube from Reaction Innovations, and uh, it doesn't really matter what color it is. I mean, yeah, you got your preferences. But, man, the thing I like about them is uh, they collapse. You know, they're hollow. Mm-hmm. And that hook, they get straight hooks. So you don't get a tail to fold forward and get over the hook when they come up from behind it. You know, and you oh, it's on and off, and then you come up and you get a little yeah you know, bu- bubble gum wrap. You know, like <laughs> the hookup ratio on tubes is really good. Yeah, and you can change the heads. You know, the lead heads. You can rig them internally. You can do whatever. There's so many possibilities. Fill the inside with whatever. Yeah, sense. <laughs> Crush up Alka-Seltzer. Mother's milk. Crush up Alka-Seltzer and then put a cotton ball behind it and the crackles give off. <laughs> 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 I used to do that thinking it was rad. <laughs> oh, dude, you got to have the Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> this one's from uh, Seth. Uh, nice wonger. Seth Boy Fishing. Uh, how many harbors could you really hold a large event targeting bay bass? And would it be worth it for the fishery? Both of you guys. That's easy for both of you guys to answer. I say no. no. No? Too many? Too much? You want my honest opinion? I mean, it, from what we did, the tournaments for 15 years, it's, uh, when we would run tournaments out of Mission Bay, and we included Mission Bay and San Diego Bay, mm-hmm. it would be a race to get to that area behind Shelter Island. And the top three teams would always come out of that one same spot. And they'd just go through there with whatever. And, and then if... It was San Diego Bay, and we used to run them out of Chula Vista, way in the back. It'd be a race to get to that spot. And the guy that could sit there long enough and just grind it out and figure out how to catch those fish. The rest of the bay, statistically, doesn't hold winning fish a lot of times. Uh, 
Eddie and Dennis, those killer whale, you know, that, that fish that bay for years. They'll go A-rig spots that nobody knows about. And they'll say, hey, we'll lose four or five, six A-rigs a day trying to get it down into that structure. But they're kind of a phenom because they you know, fished that place for, what, 30 years or something. But So when you're lining up against a bunch of people and you know that it's going to be one, and that bay is 12 miles long, but there's such a small portion of the water that holds winning fish from my experience and then you know mission bays i'd say out of all of them maybe mission bay or the long beach la if you went from cabrillo man maybe included huntington harbor or whatever yeah because there's just so much real estate there although that doesn't produce the numbers i would say there but yeah, it's tough yeah that's a that's a yeah. tough I don't what know. do you think what danny you... um you know i think personally after you know 9-11 there's a lot of that backwater in the port that's been closed. Mm-hmm. If some of that stuff were to ever reopen, I think you, some some people can go back there and do some major fucking damage yeah. back there. Yeah, uh, because you know it's. I don't want to say it's untouched, but there's definitely you know <laughs> yeah. with it with, with with the port police boats back there all the time looking for people. I think. You know, you can do some major damage as far as bag limits and bag sizes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, if we're talking spotties only. But yeah, I think that's his, his question. Yeah, if we're talking spotties only, yeah. I think there can be some Good. major damage done. If you totaled there. up all the shore miles <laughs> from L.A. through, you know, all that Terminal Island, Long Beach, and Alamitos and Huntington, there's probably more shoreline there than there is in all of San Diego Bay, I'm, I'm assuming, or pretty close. Do you think that the, the tournament, since there's a lot of tournaments now, do you think that's going to uh, affect the actual fishing of spotties or not really? Do you think like it doesn't really fucking matter? I don't think it matters, honestly, mm-hmm. to tell, unless people are keeping them and yeah. fucking taking them home as pets or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to... I mean, spotties are fucking... You know they're predatory fish. Yeah, they're probably the meanest fucking thing that's living in our bays. Yeah, and yeah. I've I've seen and I've heard people you know say they fucking puke up chicken bones. <laughs> if, if if a spot is gonna eat a fucking chicken bone, dude, uh, fuck, dude. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't think the fishery's ever gonna you know die off or right. it's gonna make it harder. You know I think in certain spots that get shore pounded a lot. Right. If you swim a swim bait through there day in and day out, I think they get conditioned to seeing it. Like, yeah. I'm not fucking stupid. I'm right, not going to eat right. that again. But you can still go through there maybe with different techniques and catch them yeah. on something different. I think it cycles, too. You know, you hear about uh, lakes on an up cycle or a down cycle. Yeah. I think the same thing applies for uh, spotties a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah, my dad did a, a lot of volunteer work down at that Back Bay Science Center, and I talked to a lot of the biologists down there. And they were, they had actually bred them. That Dr. Larry Allen, or he bred them in acti- in captivity, and uh, I, the whole story on on how they can they could do it just by water temperature. They could breed them in December, just slowly creep up the water temperature, wow. and then boom, they'd spawn and then turn it back off. And then you know, I don't know how many weeks later. Wow. So if they get a good spawn. You know, it takes them X amount of years to get to that legal size. Mm-hmm. If that spawn was productive that year and it wasn't like gnarly red tide or super big or too hot or too cold water temp, you can expect it 
So we might be coming into a, you know, a good cycle from good spawns that happened years ago or bad cycles. Yeah. And so I don't yeah. think you know, fishing, that's debatable. I mean, I think the seals in Newport Harbor are probably a bigger problem than <laughs> the, the guys fishing for them. Those yeah. things are smart. They just go right yeah. to the base of a piling. Chomp, chomp, chomp. There goes one spotty. Yep. Know? So For sure. All right. So next question is from Albert. It's uh, make your own luck on Instagram. Nice. Um, he does a lot of shore fishing, it sounds like. He wants to know, uh, he's asking, it seems like there is a foundation for reading the elements, but it seems to vary from person to person. Hmm. Um, he's curious, like, what's a good baseline on how to read the environment from the shore pound? Uh, I... <laughs> I, I used to I used to keep a journal and a log, oh, and I used to be able to go back, you know, two or three years. I, it's there's just way too many variables that that can that can come into play. Just go, man. Yeah, you know, just get you can't catch them from the couch. Yeah, just go. You know, if you get skunked, that's part of fishing. But the 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 thing that I the thing that I like to do the most is I like to whatever conditions are dealt to me. It's more rewarding when you can go out there in a shit condition or, you know, apparently shit condition and figure them out. Yeah. Makes sense. Once you figure them out, you, you drop that into your memory bank. The next time you're presented with the same type of shit ass conditions, (laughs) you can go back and refer to whatever you have left up there upstairs in your brain (laughs) and you can, you know, reference that and probably do pretty well. I think everybody has a certain degree of um, observational skill set. Like, for instance, um, Corey Sandin, that guy's got such good eyes. That guy can see a piece of kelp that's. 10 feet below the surface from 100 yards away. And I'm colorblind. I can't see that shit if you put me 10 feet from it. You know? <laughs> so that really benefits him. Yeah. He can see, you know, he worked on the uh, boats, the uh, bait boats for a long time. So he's kind of dialed in with nature. But I think everybody has a, a, an, a an inborn ability to observe certain things. Some guys might be better at lure selection. You know, oh, man, I feel that this. So I think... Um, I don't really have a lot of that, but I think the difference maybe is I know that I don't have it. <laughs> so I try to, you know, I can't see that good. My eyes suck, but uh, they're col- I'm colorblind, but I try to do other things to compensate. So for whatever you're into, you see clear water, you're not catching them, go look for dirty water. Yeah. You know, dirty water, you're not catching them, go look for clear or somewhere in between. But I think the more observant you are, it just kind of, uh, you know, makes, it builds internal confidence in, in how you're fishing. I, I, when you hear about conditions, yeah, you want downhill current a lot of times as opposed to uphill current. That's obvious. You know, right. When the bl- wind blows out of the east, the fish bite the least, that's pretty obvious. You know, But just kind of using your own particular <clears throat> senses to uh, see bait fish, birds, you know, don't follow the pelicans, follow the turns, you know, just right. um, things like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but great. For sure. <clears throat> Here's another one for you guys. Looking to pick up the new Okuma. Tersoro, is that yeah. the fucking name of yep. it? Yeah. Uh, for straight surface iron fishing. Being from the old school where the uh, straight 40-pound mono was the go-to, I'm planning on filling the reel with braid. My question is, what is the best way to go with my top shot? I hear many different ways from a short rod length topper to a 200-yard fluorocarbon top shot. What's the best way to go to bounce a few yellows? Thanks for the info, Chris. 
I like that. <laughs> what, 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 what? I like getting stuck. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when I'm out and I'm fishing surface irons, I don't ever, unless you're going to double that reel as, you know, using it for something else like bait fishing at one point in time, I just stick straight to the old school. Just 40 pound top shot. And, you know, if I, if I am going to fish something that has a back, uh, a braid backing on it, I'll just put a long enough top shot from like tip of my rod to where I usually, you know, let the jig hang down before I cast it out. I don't want to put anything else on top of the, the spool because at one point in time, you're talking about what a connection at the jig. You're talking about a connection at the leader. Then if you're if you've got two hundred yards of mono on it, you've got another connection somewhere down buried yeah. in your reel. Yep. Uh, I'm not with that. I want as least uh, the least amount of parts to fail, yep. so I can jack one over. And, yeah, you know, bounce it over or whatever have you. Uh, more connections, more chances of failure is the way that I look at it. Yeah, I, I flip flop back and forth. I like I like the forty pound. Just because you know it's smooth in, smooth out. There's no <clears throat> with a knot goes through the guides, um, but you got a long day of jig tossing. You got to get rid of that forty pound. Yeah, you know. So you got to be, you know, have a bulk spool or whatever to, to spool it on. Uh, one backlash in forty pound. It seems like it, a lot of it remembers that spot where you got the backlash, mm-hmm. and you'll continue to get backlashes in that same spot. And I fish braid. Don't fish the surface on anything less than 80. I don't care what anybody says because you get one backlash and then that just put a weak spot in that 65 and it'll you, the next time you get a backlash, it's going to snap off there every time. So 80 and I would say a 40 liter. And like Danny says, when you cast that jig, I would say make sure the knot, I like to have the knot between the reel and the first guide. So when it goes, it's going through a big hole first and it progressively gets smaller. If that knot is right at the tip, it just... You know, it starts off lame. Yeah. So right. I for I fish them both, forty straight forty or eighty to <clears> whatever, <throat> probably forty. Uh, but yeah, I think the softness of the mono, if you you know the, the secret surface iron, the one that swims perfect. Well, if you don't have it, you don't know how to get it. You know, whatever, or there, if it does or doesn't exist, seems like the mono almost makes the jig swim a little better. I, it's kind of a weird thing. It's almost like your cadence isn't quite <laughs> as you know necessary it doesn't right. have to be perfect so with braid whatever you do it does on the other end you know, right it's like mono it kind of softens it and makes them swim a little i don't know right definitely <clears throat> here's another one uh from uh phil california filthy on instagram uh he has a question for both of you so first is danny <laughs> is uh what made you stop uh fishing largemouth i just I just didn't i don't want to say i'm not into it it's just, I don't know. I, the my home, my home lake is Pudding Stone, and um, tough lake. It's t- it's a tough lake, yeah. but one, once you can figure them out, then you can go over there and just whack the fucking shit out of yeah. them all the time. And honestly, it just got boring for me. Yeah, where's the sticker that Charles sent? Fuck this Fuck lake. This <laughs> <laughs> Great sticker. Uh, yeah, honestly, it just it, it just got boring. For yeah, me. so you feel like it, uh, you just started fishing spotties and it's a little, mm. little yeah, more, more challenging, more more not more challenging, more action. Okay, there you I go. Was a, I'm Makes an sense. action junkie. Yeah, you know, go going out, going to Pudding Stone and catching three fish a day. That's 
fucking actually pretty damn oh, fucking that's good. really fucking good. All right, three yeah. fish at a time, yeah. but it just it was way too much in betweens that I was just like a fucking crackhead. I was like, I need to pull. <laughs> I need to feel something to pull on, you know. And it's like six hour session. You get three fish. It was just it's a lot. Yeah, a lot. that's that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've done this the, the spotty thing for years. And yeah, it's just more. There's just more action involved. Yeah, great, great. All right, this one's for Eric. Yeah, uh, you have anything? Let's see. You have anything set up to pair salt angler, anglers without a boat to someone with a boat, or vice versa, who's really interested in fishing your event? Oh, our, our save our cheap asses up for a ten bone come and fish it. <laughs> Great try, question. Yeah, it's cool, like the pro am or, or yeah, a, a like a pro am, yeah, a club level. Dude. We tried it one time. Um, like I talked to you earlier about it, and the guys came down. We said we're going to take all the non boaters and put their names in a hat, and we're going to draw who they fish with. And the guys didn't really want to do it. That was like I don't know, maybe ten years ago. They, oh, we share spots. We don't want anybody to over fishing. No, we right, understandable. Yeah. That was, but one thing uh, we, I was talking about doing. You know, there's this iAngler app, you know, that uh, Battle of the Bays kayak tournament that, um, I forget his name, was putting on. There's an app that we were talking about, had get some, some guys on, on board a boat fishing in two different divisions, and the guys on the back can catch, measure, photograph, and then you send it to tournament headquarters or uh-huh. whatever, and they, they see it and they accept it, and then they release it. <clears throat> and I talked to some guys, you know, Decker and Andy Ride and Bobby and... They said, yeah, we'd be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it requires a little bit of uh, technical yeah, savvy. You got to have a good Wi-Fi system wherever your tournament headquarters is to, to log those <laughs> yeah, things in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that we could get a, enough guys that would be willing to do a boat thing. It'd be fun to do when the fish are biting, you know. And, yeah. And you could, the nice thing about that iAngler app is you could say it's got to be 12 inches minimum or every fish counts or we're going to go by total total length or your longest five or whatever it might be. It's pretty yeah. open. So that you see this, like this major league fishing thing. Yeah. I think that's going to be the way of the future, whether you like it or not. And just because it only takes one person with a GoPro to come down and go, look at these fish. They're being live wild and dead. And, True. You know, and yeah. So I think they're being more proactive with it as instead of we, the mortality <clears throat> on the fish that we've weighed. I mean, one year we recorded, it was like less than one half of 1% of the fish oh, wow. died at the scales. Now, yeah. how long they live afterwards, who knows? You know, yeah. I've seen some pretty beat up fish, you know, they have a lot of their slime coat missing because the weather was so rough and they were banging all those spines and fins against each other on, mm-hmm. on a channel crossing. But we kind of got away from doing those type of tournaments for that very reason. So um, I think that's probably the future. Yeah. Just implementing it is kind of hard. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, always open to suggestions. All right, next question is from Chad Johnson from Chino, CJ9000 on Instagram. Um, if you could open up a, one of the MPAs, which area would it be and why? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too familiar with the, the whole MPA, so I'm going to have to... I'd, for me personally, just because it's close to my house, Laguna, Newport, Newport <laughs> to Dana, Newport to Dana. That you know, they took a big chunk of, of area out of there, but that's just yeah, yeah that's close to my house, and that's where I, I, if you're shore pounding, that's where I, I used to surf fish, yeah. and it was like the boilers and stuff were like, yeah. I heard stories of dudes catching big sheephead off the rock at Crescent Bay. Uh, we would walk when I first started halibut fishing, and I'd. I didn't know what I was looking for. I'd throw fucking uh, the gulp 
all the time and to catch perch. And then I'd throw a lucky craft 110 all the time and I'd be fucking looking. I'd be walking, looking down. The water's so clear. You see fucking hell of it just take off by your feet. Oh, Big ass fucking. I talked to, uh, you know, those guys I was talking about earlier, the John Turner and Rich Marcel and mm-hmm. Greg. But they were saying, you know, that stretch of coast between Newport and Dana, if you look at the underwater contours, the bathymetry, whatever they call it, that is set up better than kind of almost anywhere else on our coast for that given stretch. It's just, it's got a deep water outside canyon. It's got a lot of coast that has jagged rocks. There's extended yeah. points. There's sandy beaches. It's, it's, there's kelp. There's, it's got all the right form. It kind of like La Jolla or Point Loma. Yeah. That's really good as yeah. well. But that's where the world record was caught, you know, and in Laguna, uh, right there off of like number one or right, right below Newport Harbor, like right, right there. What size? What, how big was that? Yeah. And you're going to say that. I think it's 14.7, I think. Wow. That's yeah. huge, man. Yeah. I remember seeing that back in the days on the cover of Western Outdoor News. I was like, holy <laughs> fuck. That's yeah. a fucking calico. That place, to summarize, it has all the right parts and all the right places as far as being a big bass factory. But it's also so pre- it was so pressured. You got a landing below, a landing above, a lot of shoreline access. Definitely. You know, kayakers, float tubers, private boaters, it's spear fishermen. So, definitely. So, here's another one. <clears throat> I know how to target spotties and calicos and what, what, and what color swim baits to use for them on the shore pound. But I wanted to get in, get some uh, sand bass in the mix. Any color recommendations and where the sand bass like to lurk? That's from Eduardo Lopez, and it says L J F Lopez on Instagram. Right on. That's kind of a hard one for the shore, right, to like aim for Sandy? I mean, there are places that you can go where there probably aren't very many spotties, and majority of the fish are either going to either be like sand bass or calico bass. Um, I mean, color, I, I don't believe in color. Um, I, I kind of wish I was fucking colorblind like there, <laughs> because I don't believe I don't believe in color. Really, honestly, to no. tell you the truth, I you'll throw anything, anything. It's how you work it, huh? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about a swim bait, yeah, yeah, of it's course. Fucking, it's not brain surgery, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, re- just really back. But I, personally, yeah. I don't. You know, fish are predatory. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the only time I do the the only the only time I do feel like color comes into play is when the red crab are in yeah. are in town. Oh yeah, definitely right. Yeah, you know, once that once that fishery just flips the switch, then I think you know that that's where color may come into play. They get yeah. locked on. Yeah. yeah, but if we're talking about any other time where there's no red crab, it's I don't want to say it's the luck of the draw, but yeah. you know, back in the days when when I used to when I was fishing a lot on sport boats, uh, the deckhands would say anything fucking lime green. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, anything lime <laughs> green. Every you time a, you went, every, yeah, if you yeah. went for a sand bass and you were going specifically going for sand bass, it was a yellow head <laughs> with a lime green swim bait. Yep, I was gonna say Corey Sandin. A couple times I fished with him, he'd. He'd use that five-inch slug or the six-inch slug with a little boxer head, exposed hook, but like you said, lime green with a yellow head, and yeah, he he did really well in sand bass when we'd be in the sand bass areas. Yeah, so, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or just everybody else is doing it, so it must be. Right. I, I don't know. Back in the days, I was gullible as fuck. So when the deckhand said lime green and with a yellow head, I was like, oh okay, yeah, put it on there. But now I don't. Uh, 
personally, I'm not trying to target just sand bass. I just, I'm looking for the bite. Could you though? Like, could you actually go out and say, hey, never I sh- wanted to target, what would you look for if you did? You know never tried, never tried to never do tried that. It, so no. maybe, maybe got me thinking now. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're straight from shore. So that's yeah. kind of like, I'd say, my- yeah, just like that, that damn slug for whatever reason, it's kind of like the tube. It falls on a little corkscrew, but it's, it, you can cover a lot of water and you can get that almost like a vertical reaction bite, you know, like they're, they're reacting to it cause it's falling with kind of a goofy fall that they like and you can cover a lot of water so if you're from shore it might be a pain if you're walking around rocks but just little short pitches in multiple spots really fast in that way you're knocking one on the head maybe that yeah would be my, definitely maybe definitely. put a little scent on a sandbass yeah. usually tend to like a little scent you know? yeah right definitely here's one from a salty stiller richard on instagram uh <clears throat> my question is to eric and danny if you could only throw one hard bait what would it be Ooh. Good question. Hard bait. I've got to go with the Norman D22. Yeah, Good call, man. Uh, I've got to go with that. Yeah, I've got yeah. to go with that one. Uh, the stick baits are, are cool when fish are up up, you know, in the water column. Yeah. But you know, as far as covering maybe the entire water column, a crankbait. Yeah. And uh, the the Norman the D22 has never fucking let me down. Yeah, that's a real good one. They're reasonable too. They're yeah, not they're not like bucks. yeah, not twenty bucks. A piece. I would say I'm, so. I'm not going to copy. I'll go. I'll go with the shallow one. Okay. That uh, <laughs> the depths um, Balasong minnow. It's it's a little pricey. How much does it go for? Uh, it's about thirty bucks. Ooh, it's like a it's, Lucky Craft, and almost it's like weird. A... If you if you look at it next to a, a Lucky Craft one twenty eight, almost identical. But that thing, it does. If you fish it and kind of pause it right it does have a weird wobble to it wow that you know i like it i i think seas fishes yeah quite a bit but um it casts really good i think it only weighs like five eighths of an ounce wow so it's got three trebles i'll fish them straight out of the box until they're mangled and then i just re- replace them with the heavier duty ones but stay with the same size hooks don't go bigger on the hooks and yeah that thing works pretty good you know i like it it's fun to fish Right, so next question is from John, which is a fish with John D on Instagram. Um, he wants to know either like tournament or fishing with a buddy, uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when, that's when good. fishing with someone, oh. <laughs> just, like just one pet peeve, yeah, your biggest, he says. Oh. <laughs> What do you think? I, I don't like again. I don't turn tournament fish, but I do have people on my skiff, and uh, I honestly don't really have too many pet peeves unless you know you doing something really really fucking stupid and bird brain out there. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't really have too many pet peeves. James and I were fishing <laughs> a tournament one time. And he hooks a big one on the oil islands, and it just says raw. Just it's it's been all the way to the handle. And I go, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> he was fighting. Me. He's like, like what? <laughs> I go, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Um, I don't know. Jeez. Maybe uh, checking your stupid phone all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, we're out here to fish. I get away from pushing buttons on the water. That's I would say that's my pet peeve. So just put the fucking phone away, man. You know? 
And I oh, think we, we already media. know Danny's. We don't need to ask Danny this yeah. question. <laughs> I, uh, well, well, that, I'm glad you brought that up because what, like, I have a couple uh, boys, uh-huh. my sons, that fish. And uh, when we go out in the skiff, that's one of the fucking things I tell them to do. Leave your damn phone yeah. in the truck. As we're not, I'm not going to look up every time I cast and you're over here, you know, <laughs> playing flirty face with your damn girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, duck face over there. Go ahead. Right. Well, yeah. talking about, like, the guy asked that question about, you know, what are conditions? Like, how are you going to do that if you're staring at your phone? Dude, you know? 100%, right? Man, I just, right. I, I want to get away from the phone. That's why I go fishing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, put that stupid thing away. For Definitely. sure. It's fun to have fun with you want to do a live story or... You know, do like, you know, I've goofed around with my girlfriend's kids and stuff and like take them out, catch, you know, a bunch of, you, you just, just for, that's, I'm doing that because it's fun that day, but not like every time. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Here's another woman uh, text message. It's uh, Lexi. Her, her Instagram handle is uh, L-L-E-E-X-X-I-I on Instagram. So Lexi, just longer. Uh, the first one is winter versus summer calico fishing. Is there mm-hmm. a difference? Skinnier calico in the winter, darker swim baits in the summer. Same fish, but is there a secret to each season? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Interesting. Good question, Lexi. Um, Benny Florentino always said, as long as the water's a stable temperature, I don't care if it's 56. So if it's been that way for five or six days, they'll bite, you know. Um and then same goes for the summer. If the water temperature is warm and then it drops, they're not going to bite. Just because it's summer doesn't mean they always bite. So you're looking for stability in the stability, water. You know, Benny's yeah. big on that. You know, I, I learned a lot from him on that. That's what I've always heard. Too. Stability. That's what I've uh, and I've That's kind, what you of, aim yeah, at I've kind of seen that too, yeah. firsthand. Uh, you know, I think they get. I think there's a shock that comes to the fish when it goes. You know, from 64. Then you get a big upwelling, and then it goes down to fifty six. You know, in fucking two days. Right. I don't think they like that. I don't like that. Uh, PV, uh, <laughs> PV. <clears throat> that place is notorious for that. Trust me, oh. every every Wednesday for me and Seth. Oh, been... we had a tournament one time. Uh. I went up on Friday before the tournament. The water. Oh, let's see. It. Anyways, the next morning it had dropped twelve degrees overnight oh, in less than gosh. twelve hours, and it went from like whatever it was sixty four to fifty two, and I was like, What oh, was the bag? In that area, nada. <laughs> it, it sucked. And it was funny because we launched out of Marina del Rey. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the fish finder. I was, I was running the turn. I wasn't fishing in it. And I, was, I just watched it. As soon as I came around Rocky Point, you know, 64, 63, you know, 62, 58. And got down. And 
all the fish that had bit the weekend prior right in front of Trump's place there, that golf course and all that, all these boats are just standing around staring at each other and nobody's catching. And, and I'm thinking, they only knew that the water temperature up at Rocky was still 64. They would have been out of there. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, you can't tell them that. Fuck. Right. Um, this is a good one. She has another. I'll, I'll do the third one. Uh, are Calico affected by the moon? Fuck going fishing after the fucking full moon. I'll say that. My experience, at least, dude. I've been fucked every time I've tried to go fishing after a full moon. I would say in the winter, well, if there's squid around, yeah, maybe. If there's you know, squid around, Because sure. squid kind of float more leading mm-hmm. up to the full moon, and maybe they gorge themselves on the squid a little bit more than afterwards. They're a little plugged to eat. And I think in the summertime, too, maybe, because the water's warmer, they might feed at night a little bit more. I don't know what you think. Uh, I've seen it on either side. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about strictly artificials after a full moon, maybe somewhere where there's like, you know, it's really, there's a, a big population of like uh, crustaceans that mm-hmm. they're feeding on, then yeah, but I mean, I, I, I've, <laughs> seen it on, go, I've seen it on both sides of yeah, the, the, yeah. the fence and I just don't, I don't have enough uh, brain cells left to remember. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, one thing I, I, I don't know, used to do this when I had my aluminum boat and I was fishing a lot more is uh, the lobster pots. You know, all the lobster fishing. We used to go out there with light line and just, there's your spots. You didn't yeah. have to stare at a fish finder. Just look for another lobster pot. And it seemed like in the wintertime, I don't know if those lobster pots that are baited up drew calicos around, but we'd fish around those things and just loop them. And then, you know, if I had a GPS, I would mark that spot. But I that's remember what I, that's what I do. Fish, yeah, <laughs> come back and when they're not there. Yeah, but in the, I remember also fishing in that time on the beach and not doing nearly as well on numbers. I never caught any size, anyways. But numbers on the beach as opposed to the ones that were out on the. So I would say maybe in the winter the fish are off the beach a lot more. Um, if if then in summertime where it gets warmer and the bait gets up on the beach and then they they follow that bait up on the beach. Yeah, so I just kind of maybe. A, I, I well, I'm a firm believer. And especially in the shore pound game in the winter time, I'm a firm believer of fishing shallow because uh, the, my bird brain theory about it is rock retains heat yes. and mm-hmm. they yeah. like to be as warm as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, there's going to be some fish on the offshore stones and stuff like that. But I think I don't want to say you do better, but, you know, if it's sunny at during the day that rock is going to retain retain a little bit more heat and if you're going to fish it uh during the like the the dusk to you know maybe one or two hours before the sun sets i think they push up a little bit more shallow and fish Good so point. i, Good I point. fish a uh, skinny water a lot mm-hmm. i get fucking ruined so many times <laughs> <laughs> that i can't fucking even count anymore but <laughs> I've, I fish the skinny water a lot. Heavy, and you fish heavy line too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, As he- like well, it. so like spotties, I'll you know twenty twenty five pound floral at nighttime because uh-huh. just because you never know you're gonna hook. Yeah, it's true. The eight inch fucking model or <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know the big big one. There's a guy named Al Mikalis, uh-huh. really good fisherman, funny guy, but he liked to throw those revenge ounce and a half spinner baits in the winter up on the beach and. I think because he'd kind of wind it just slow and kind of bump it along. It's relatively weedless, you know. Uh-huh. He'd just get destroyed on some nice calicos fishing that damn revenge <laughs> ounce and a half. No, you know, no trailer, no trailer hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, just straight chucking. He casted good and 
Now he got some nice ones in the winter on the spinnerbait. Definitely. So next question is Joe, uh, DTP underscore Joe on Instagram. So what's the most overrated saltwater <laughs> bass technique and the most underrated? Ooh. Overrated. Hey, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> we knew Eric was going to say that. I think he's voiced it a couple of times. Even. <laughs> I'd have to uh, I'd have to jump on that one. <laughs> overrated a little bit. I you mean, think? No, well, I mean, it, there might be a a time and a place for it. Maybe like so. In my, if I would use an A rig, I would use it as a fish finding tool, like yeah. in the tournament, like in a tournament. If I was if I was a tournament angler, yeah. mm-hmm. use it as a fish finding tool. See how many you know. If you get one or two to jump on, if you get two or three to jump on, then maybe I switch over from something else to something else and fish it a little bit, a little, a little slower. Yeah, I think uh, guys like uh, Brian Davis have done really well with it in tournaments. Maybe uh, Seas has done okay with it as well, because he's really into it and he gets them all dialed with. Tungsten this and rad that, high tech and all that gnarly stuff. And then uh, Eddie and Dennis have done well with it because uh, they know where to throw it over. I don't think it's going to just fill the boat like a lot of people think it's going to. You're going to get three every cast. And um, Eric Landisfine has done well with it. And has, but it seems like all those guys know how to fish and know where to fish that particular but as far as like just buying one and going oh i'm gonna get two or three every cast yeah i think it's uh for in the right hands it's it's uh it's definitely a tool that can be used i think a lot of people buy a rigs because they just for the novelty i the fact that they think they're gonna load it up with three just for that picture on instagram you know what i mean ting ting i got three (laughs) this is great i have a perfect question next for you (laughs) guys on this one so this is from Aqua Assassin. Uh, this one goes to his second question I'm going to ask because social media. Yeah. Over the past few years, I have noticed an increase in social media fishing-related outlets, fishing groups, crews, forums, gangs, contests. Most are educational and seem to be pushing the agenda of it's for the children or make sure uh, the youth fish, ETC. <clears throat> I am myself enjoying the social media aspect of fishing. And have learned so much from it. My question is, with the limited fishery in SoCal, at some point, will uh, we all, including myself, shooting ourselves in the foot by continuing to promote the sport as such? At some point, do you think that fishing could become too popular and therefore tightening regulations and are adding more MPAs? Mm, interesting. Well, Paul. His name's Paul. Yeah, he's super fucking cool guy. Super, dude. super cool yeah. dude. Um. I don't per se. I don't think it's going to make the sport any harder than it already is. Uh, I think it's you know all it takes is one dumbass to do one dumbass thing yep. to get spotlight on on the entire fishing community. Yeah. And we've seen it recently a couple yeah. of times, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, horrible. Yep, a couple times with the with the. I mean, over the years, you've seen the black sea bass being pulled up on shore, great whites being pulled up multiple times. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, it 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 definitely draws. Uh, it it can definitely draw bad attention to the community, and for one or two people, I mean, if there's a, a repeat offense that's happening over and over and over, I mean, 
that that may lead to more shutdowns that may lead to you know other things you know down the road it's cool to show your picture off to everybody you know that's that that's cool but when you do s- stupid things i think that's the the point that's going to be driven home where you may it may negatively inf- impact uh what we're you know the passion and the love that the, sp- for yeah. the sport that we have yeah I don't want to be handcuffed and say ah, you can't go here, you can't go there. Do you think of though somebody... that like for for you because you short pound a lot? Uh, do you think like blasting spots on Instagram saying let's meet up at this dock or wherever are you know spots? Maybe people have maybe someone fishes these spots and it's kind of an unknown thing where maybe you know the spot and a couple dudes know the spot, but there's dudes on Instagram saying blasting the spot. You think that's going to affect things too? Yeah, because 90% of the places that people fish are not supposed yeah, to be there. Exactly, yeah. So I mean, if you got more eyes on uh, on a place that you're not supposed to be there, you know, people, yeah. it only takes one of the so right people to see it. So maybe you're more of an advocate of just to take a picture of the fish and you and that's it, not fucking a That's why I always use the fucking sky as my background <laughs> or, or, or the rock that I'm yeah, standing but, on. Yeah. You know. True, it's the truth. I mean, I guess... Uh, I, Everything nowadays, I mean, I'm guilty of taking pictures like on the boat, but I'm like, I mean, we have a small fishery and that's the biggest thing is a calico and salt, everything, you know, all the bass, they don't have them everywhere else, you know, like, so it's like, and if you look at the homes in, I don't care where you are, LaSalle, yeah, millionaires, Newport, they're millionaires. Mission Bay is the only place that doesn't have houses on the water. Uh, San Diego, back in the caves, millionaires. All those millionaires have a lot of political influence. Exactly. And if those local sheriffs or whoever the Harbor Patrol is get enough calls from those millionaires that have a lot of influence, guess what? They are going to come and boot you out. And then you look at military areas, fuel docks, things like that. Those people start getting pissed at it. Next thing you know, and and if you think you're going to fight them by, I can fish in any navigable water, good luck, dude. Because if if they get enough complaints... They're going to boot you out of there. What are you going to say? No, and, and you're not going to win. You're not going to go to court over it. I mean, I've see, I've heard of people winning little battles. I think the biggest thing is to project a positive image the most you can. Like when I used to fish Newport Bay a lot in the summertime on the weekends, and my buddies would come. I said, "Don't dress like a snowboarder, man." You know, <laughs> you can, if you've got a mask on, I mean, everywhere wears a buff. But if it's black and your hoodie's black, and you're wrapping up some dock line. The dock line probably costs thirty bucks if it's that Samson line, right. and you're you're going to snap it off and leave it there. That guy's not going to be stoked when he comes down next time he sees a, whether it's a boater or a float tube or a kayaker, because that's he doesn't know if you did it or not. But you're the reason there was that hook in that dock line. So learn to cast, be polite, you know, and kill him with kindness, and just try to project a positive as much as you can. I mean, I'm not saying everybody's got to put on polo shirts and shit but, <laughs> yeah. but right. you know at least try to because you know they're gonna either yell get out of here i've been kicked out a lot of times yeah what are you gonna do you know definitely i've heard that argument before section whatever whatever yeah, in the yeah. constitution says you can do this and that doesn't matter good luck dude 
Yep. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not a copy of it in his boat. And he'd get argued with it. was during you know the Coronado Caves down the way in the back of San Diego Bay. And he's like, oh, I keep a couple copies of it for the homeowners. And I'm like, you know what? If the cop comes and tells you to leave, what are you going to give him one? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, right. exactly. You're going to leave. So just try to be cool and, and, and project a positive image the best you can. You know, because Definitely. That way we can all grow together. It doesn't matter who fishes what and where. And that's the key point right there. Definitely. This is a good one. I might be able to hop on this one too. So, uh, I do have a question regarding getting into boating. I have kids and wasn't, I'm sorry. I have kids and wasn't to bring them along. I currently fish from the shore or on my float tube. I really would like to know recommendations for size, boat, motor required recommended to get to the breakwall horseshoe. I like going on the sport boats, but, ha- uh, but having a four-year-old come along uh, and their schedule can be almost impossible. Thanks, guys. Enrique. And uh, I didn't put his, his name on there. That's a good question. I, I'll start because I have, you know, three boys. Uh, Justin, same thing. Uh, I take both my boys, so it's eight and 14. I feel like I'm going to say... Justin's kid's a different story because he's so stoked on fishing. Like, but I'm going to say six, five, six, unless your kid's really like super into fishing and listens really good. Yeah. My kids are assholes like me. So, <laughs> so they're crazy, crazy guys, you know, like, uh, uh, so I feel like right now, if I get them bit and we keep going, you know, and, and it's good. But as for motor, I mean, I have a 60, 17 foot low. Uh, it's like a hybrid, so it's it's aluminum, so it's, it has a deeper V on it, not like a flat bottom bass boat. And I've taken that with my kid in it. I mean, to the horseshoe, I've taken him, you know, pretty much everywhere, a couple miles offshore, and it's pretty and stable. It, yeah, never right. had never had. Well, <clears throat> a couple times I've been out where uh, I turned around. Me and actually uh, Corey Fishhead, yeah. <laughs> we we went out of Huntington Harbor that day. I text you, and yeah. it was fucking crazy, craziest ever been in. And we turned back around, but no, I've taken my kids, I've taken my oldest out in rougher water. And like I said, I have the front of my deck is, is higher, but if you go down the gunnels lower, so you you can, you know, it's a couple, maybe your knee, you know, a little higher. So that's my issue. I I think more at five or six, you're, you're good. And I think if you could take, you could take a kid on of like a 17, you have an Eric. I mean, you have a smaller boat. What is 15? Yeah, it's 15. Yeah. But you have a whaler, so it's a little different story. But what do you yeah, think? It's pretty tippy, you know? Yeah. It's not the most stable boat. The 13s are actually more stable. And do you think uh, that you take your a kid on there? How yeah, old? I've had um, Michael out and uh, when he was, I don't know, he was probably 12. Uh-huh. And the girls, when they're even younger than that. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. You just kind of keep an eye on I me. Mean, you can't be just like, hey, no. about that small boat in town. <laughs> you know, I kind of, you know, sit down, watch them, make sure. May know, let them fish. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think I do as I let them. Yeah. I'm like. Yep. It's hard, but I'd fucking leave my pole down, dude, and let him just cast his little Zebco, dude, for calicos, you know? I yeah. think a 17, like uh, Danny's boat, is 19, but that 17 to 19 range is kind of the sweet spot. Um, a single axle trailer is a lot nicer with no trailer brakes if you can avoid it. Because then you yeah. don't need a three-quarter ton mm-hmm. or a one ton to pull it. And they're a lot easier on the pocketbook, uh, gas-wise, <laughs> gas you know? Heck, yeah. The new, the, the, the Same thing? Yeah, I would think I would say 
if you're going to venture out not too far offshore. A couple miles. You know, yeah, like, a couple yeah. miles, maybe that 17 to the 18, 19 foot No, trust me, I'd range. Get... <laughs> I'd have it a little bigger if I could, but that's what I got. It's probably the the sweet spot. You know, four-stroke technology is awesome. Definitely. Uh, Saves you so much on gas. Also, storage, too. If you have storage, it's, you know, from the the prop to the tongue of the trailer. You know, I know they have those sling-away tongues, but keeping that as compact as possible, you know, it's easier to back down. It's just easier easier to clean up and wash. You know, you don't got this 24-footer that's, you know, you got to climb in and out of and Less is more. For sure. Especially what we're talking about, Calico. I mean, yeah, you, don't you could much. hit that pretty inshore. Yeah. You don't need to run to Catalina. Or... Yep. Ten boats are a good starter. You know, get, get, get yourself familiar with how a boat is laid out. Because yeah. once you start, you know, jumping up to the, uh, the fiberglass ones, you know. That's what I started with. I think I fucked myself. <laughs> I, yeah, I had the stator problem. I dropped the fucker off the fucking trailer that I talked about before. Yeah. You know, I saw someone post something. Uh, I forgot where. It was locally. Someone on Instagram. And they hashtag qualified captain. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, fucking done that. <laughs> fucking boat laying there. And I'm like, fuck. You I know? Mean, like Danny says, like, an aluminum boat, like a Bait Runner, uh, Gregor, Valco, yeah, yeah. Uh, Low, you yeah. know, all those are, are good. They're they're stable crest liners. Yeah. You know, in, yeah. That, in that sweet spot of, you know, 18, 19 down to yeah, like and 15, not like, 16. I had a like, 15 Gregor Baja special yeah. forever, and that thing was killer. Full like, I love uh, uh, Caesar's his old boat. Yeah. The width of it, yeah. that's a nice boat. That's like something like that. I would have. You don't want to. Uh, the Klamis. Those are good, but they're a little more tippy. Yeah. I think they're yeah, yeah, a little yeah, yeah, more yeah. smoother. And, yeah. And I prefer a welded one over a riveted one. Yeah. Um, although there are good riveted ones, I prefer a welded. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right. So I can't find a name on this question, but it says, uh, when you get bit and miss a fish, do you throw a different bait at the same spot, the same bait at the same spot, or move move on and hit it again in an hour or two? And Ooh. why? Oh. When I get bit and I miss one, you know, if I'm going to take this question for face value, if mm-hmm. I if I get bit and I miss one, I completely stop reeling. I think I, I do the same shit. And I let it fucking sink. <laughs> yeah. And the it, sooner you can do that, the better. Yeah, the yeah. sooner you can do it, the better. Yeah. Because if you take a couple more cranks, you just you may be out of his range now. And then you let it sink after that, you're probably done. So And it, it might be the technique you're using, too, might be a little different, right? Depending if you're fishing, what you're fishing, yeah, might be. But most of the time, right, just letting it sink out. Yep. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say very rarely, like largemouth, a completely different animal in terms of you'll see with a top water, miss it, wind it in and throw a sinko. Oh, got him. You know that can happen a lot. Yeah. But saltwater, no. Once they once they miss it, like Danny says, hit it and free spool. That's your best chance. You wind up and throw something else, fishes out. Yeah, just my opinion. I can't tell you how many times I fished a slip, got bit, missed the fish, yeah. fished the same slip, you know, cast right back out, and three casts later, nothing. Yeah. You know, they miss it, that's your chance, right? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. They're not like largemouth in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from a cool cool Instagram page, uh, underscore Vanarchy. Uh, super cool, like punk rock page. Hmm. But uh, this is for both of you guys. It says, 
<clears throat> if you only had one bait to choose to fish for inner harbor spotties, what would it be? Long Beach. Long Beach. Yep, only one bait. <coughs> I'm gonna, excuse me. I'm going to go with what's the, sa- the same sa- the question that was pretty much the same thing as earlier, a tube. Really? Yeah. yeah. All, do you start with a tube usually when you're working the, or just depending what you feel like doing? It's just depending on yeah. what, uh, you know, late, whatever challenge you yeah, want to fucking give I've been yourself. Fucking around lately with all kinds of other <laughs> stupid little techniques. Now, have like, you fished that new combat? Um, that little uh, uh, help, shrimp, the uh, crawl the thing. Yeah, have you fished no, that yet? I haven't. It looks pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. He knocked that fucking color out dude, of the park, dude. I saw that and I'm like. Fuck me, that is a great color. Dead on. Yeah. Dead on as, Are you dead seen that? On as possible. Uh-uh. Combat jig, they make this little like a, it's a ghost shrimp. Oh, and the color looks like killer. perfect, yeah. Definitely. What do you think for spotties? What would you go to? For spotties? Yeah, in the uh, Inner Harbor, Long Beach. Inner Harbor, Long Beach spotties. I suck in that place. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, boy. For spotties. That's a good question. I mean... In a Harvard Long Beach for spotty. I I guess a, a gulp six inch gulp jerk shad on my uh, three eight ounce. I guess it is the sledhead owner sledhead. I'm there with you. That's my fucking yeah. go to all the time for yeah. everything. <laughs> but you know what? I really like fishing in there. Is that Berkeley Crazy Legs Chigger Craw? Mm-hmm. That power bait one. I, that the biggest one you can get. Doesn't matter the color. Um, that thing, and you peel the little legs apart, and that thing gives off a ton of action. I've caught more fish on that stupid thing. I've I seen a. Uh... I seen a um, a poll, uh, a study that was done by the biologists uh, as far as spotties, and it was kind of like a like a pie graph, and it broke down what they eat, how much you know percentage of what they eat is part of their diet, and uh, finfish is only two percent. That's crazy, of dude. Their diet. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, what is it? Little clams and yeah. So the rest of it is like clams, mm-hmm. uh, crustaceans, bottle yeah. caps, uh, chicken bones, <laughs> chicken yeah. bones, chicken yeah, bones. Popeye's chicken, bro. <laughs> so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. The reason why I picked the tube is because I'm gonna play the the averages. Yeah, you know, yeah. if sixty five percent of what they eat is crustaceans or stuff like that, I'm that's what I'm. Yeah, gonna definitely play definitely. the. Yeah. Play the Clams, percentages. All that little baby lobsters. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So let's say you go decide to go out for calicos between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. It's sunny out with little wind. What do you look for in the current structure or kelp conditions to start on? And that could be, I, I say that's and everything. What type of bait would you start with? Because that's a, that's a good question is like, I don't leave to go fishing at 11 ever. Yeah. It's usually really early in the morning or late at night. That's after the bites quit and before it quit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's the it's the uh, the quote unquote dead hours, right? <laughs> I like to burn a lot of water during that time because, from my experience of, uh, is that's like it, you were saying, it's after the morning and before the afternoon. So there's gonna, in my opinion, there's a far fewer calicos that are gonna commit during that time. So why don't you just burn a bunch of real estate and move a, a a fast-moving lure that covers a lot of water that has a lot of hooks on it. So if one gets close <laughs> enough, you might get snagged. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, bright colors or clear. Like either one extreme or the other. Either like an American Shad and Lucky Craft or clear with clear flake. <laughs> <laughs> Try to go as ghosty as you can. And, and light, lighter line, I know it seems to help with, with those sketchy fish. But For I, sure the lighter line. I've seen, I, I've 
I've experienced uh, like fishing slugs and stuff like that during that that dead hour time, but not your typical like bait fish pattern or crustacean pattern. Something that fucking like sticks out like a sore thumb, yep. yeah. a bright yellow Isn't fucking banana colored one, yeah. or a pink one, or you know neon fucking chartreuse one. Yeah, for some reason, I, 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 it might be the the it might be the the. Uh, it's a different the, the different color that just pops out against the uh, the the, the blue, bluebird sky or something that just pops and something makes them that shouldn't be happening when yeah. the water's that exactly weird. yeah exactly Deckard and his banana slug and banana uh, taddy forty five like that, he threw that a lot of times when years ago when things were really really slow and it's like come on that'd be the last <laughs> and he had some good results with it too. yeah yeah and it's almost like that's the time to. Th- completely go counter of what you would think would work mm-hmm. what what time does the super bowl start three I'm not sure i think so yeah all right we'll end this at two we got 20 more minutes all i right. find with you guys yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i don't cool. want to kill your guys as a i don't like football but i know both you guys do everyone <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i know you guys are big football fans so i, I don't want to uh over shoot that so here's a good one i don't know and this is when is spotty season spawning season for spotties i'm sorry Spawning, oh. yeah, spawning for the spotties. I have no fucking from clue. my from what I've read, and I'm by no means uh, a biologist or expert or anything. Just from reading things and talking to different people, we had the first year, first couple of years of SWBA, we had a guy come down and actually collect them to take them for brood stock in a I don't know, you want to call it a hatchery, but a, a, a grow out pen that he was actually breeding them and they were studying them through Cal State Northridge. What they've told me is when the water temperature gets to a certain point. You can read it online if you f- start researching. I think that pie graph you're talking about, Danny, but it's based on water temperature. So I would say 64-ish. They start getting, and what they do spring, is... They, they, spring, winter, yeah, yeah, late spring. It just depends on the season. Like yeah. you, you might have 59 all the way through June or to, right up to June. But yeah. when they get to that 64-ish, I don't remember the actual number, but they broadcast spawn um, out near the mouth. <clears throat> and so what it, and I think it coincides... Generally, almost like largemouth without bigger tide swings, maybe closer to the full or a, a new moon. And I, from what I've been told is the females, they go to the bottom, they rub their bellies in the sand, and then they shoot up and, and shoot their eggs. And then the males follow and do their, their thing in that Shoot their load right behind them. Just <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, blow loads into the cloud eggs. <laughs> and, uh, and then that stuff is supposed to go out to sea or, or and where the water's clean and da-da-da-da. And then they come back into the bay and, and when they hatch or whatever. That's what I've been told now. I've read some stuff me. online before that, that has it something like fucking March to August. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they can do it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and I think the reason why the spread the the spread is that big is because it's based on water temperature. Not every year you're going to get 64 in March. Definitely. Sometimes yeah. you're going to get you sometimes you won't get 64 until June. So I think that that's the reason for the big spread. Yeah, I can't see those things fucking doing that shit from March to, <laughs> March to August, right. dude. Come well, on, like, in, really? In running the tournaments, you look at it at the results or where the guys caught them, and I sure shit that you know. There's there's been a couple times where all the big fish were caught out near the mouth, all of them, and, and normally it's docks, 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 mooring cans, bridges, pilings, eelgrass. 
But there's that one time that was a couple tournaments where it was like in June, first week of June, bam, the top five all came out by the Coast Guard dock or further out. And wow. So, yeah. And all the guys that fished in the back, helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Right. So tournament question. What is the biggest learning curve for fishing in the bass tournaments? Um, showing up on time. <laughs> <laughs> really? A lot of dudes show up late? We're on our way. Um, don't leave without us. Um, I don't know. Probably uh, like Danny was talking about, just fishing like you normally, you know, going out there and just settling down. Um, you know, it's so easy to get juiced up and, you know, I'm going to fish heavier line, bigger leader, you know, this and that. And then um, the day comes and they don't do as well as they thought they would because they changed a lot of things. I think it's just fishing to, you know, your your strengths and not other people's. You know, you see, you're not going to beat Benny throwing the surface iron. You're not going to beat Decker throwing the jerk shad. You're not going to beat Landis fine doing whatever he is. You know, so why are you trying to chase your tail? Everybody likes to fish their own way they may you have some guys that are more versatile than others but if you like fishing the breakwater pitching jigs or doing whatever do that because if because you're better at that than you are at the other things so play to your strengths not other people's and finding a a way to fish that you you find comfortable and confident in because you're going to fish better that way if you go out and you heard about in practice so-and-so got him on xyz lure you go tackle warehouse it and <laughs> you've never really thrown it, or just, but you saw the results because the dude held up the pics and the picture, and you're halfway through the day and you haven't caught shit on it. It's because you blew it. You, you're fishing his gig, not yours. Yeah, I was just gonna say the same thing. You know, the, <laughs> fishing, fishing during a tournament, fish what you're comfortable with and how you how like to being, fish. Right. I mean, you know, the uh, any day other than tournament day is for you to refine your skills on anything else that you feel like would catch fish or benefit you on tournament day i wouldn't fucking throw up personally <laughs> personally i wouldn't break out of uh, a jerk bait yeah. on tournament day because i fucking suck at jerk baits. <laughs> and because i see somebody catch one uh, you know i think the impressionable people will say oh fuck he got that color and that size he fucking had like a 20 pound bag i'm gonna fucking go run to my closest tackle shop and fucking buy a few yeah. What good does it do you yeah, in your definitely. hand if you don't know what right. the fuck you're doing with it? Yeah, they're not just going to jump in the boat because you got that lure on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be fishing fucking slut heads all day with fucking jerk shots. <laughs> hey, they work. Hey, yeah, exactly. hey, that's how I yeah. fish. Yeah. I always go back to that motherfucker. I love hey, it so much. It's crazy. Uh, here we go. Uh,. I had, I'm trying to find one. This guy has moved from Louisiana and he moved here. Huh. But I, I'm, I'm trying to find which one it is. He's the dude with the power poles on his boat. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Uh, not that one. So is that number set up just for this? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's Google Voice, whatever. You know, like, so it'll just go straight to the Google deal. Uh, here's one that might be good. Um, there's a couple of questions. The break wall. Remember Cheech and Chong? I got a question. Who cut your hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a good one. Why do some fishermen hate hooping for lobster? I mean, it's fucking lobster. 
Thanks, Gas and Crank. D Day, D Day seventy two. <laughs> because it's gay. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've, if I had hoops, I'd go fucking hoop. Yeah. I don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not me. I don't uh, do it. You, you don't like hooping? I want. I've. It's too hey, much fun. Too much fucking action. Work. Too yeah. much work. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's I like rock fishing. You'll never catch me on a fucking <laughs> rock fish boat. <laughs> it's too much work. You gotta buy the ropes. You gotta buy the glow sticks. You gotta buy, the, and then you gotta get the bait nets or the bait cages, and you gotta zip ties and the gloves and and all that stuff. And then where are you gonna go? You know, you gotta and find and the spots. You divide that all up into the amount of you know, pounds per lobster. Bro, just go down to the, yeah. You know, I mean, they, I don't know. I, to me, it's not really glamorous. Just pulling the thing up, you know. Or if you have one of those, the power winch, you know, yeah. those, that's what, those things probably aren't cheap. You know, four or five hundred bucks. I oh, I mean, they just go just to get everything's got to be what five six hundred bucks at least. At least, yeah. yeah. So divide. If that you're up on a pri- if you're on a private boat, can you? Um, I think they have private boats that actually go out and. Can you have a motorized winch? Yes, you can. Yeah, if it wow. you don't need a, a commercial permit to do that. No, they got that one that fits in a rod holder and a. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Here's a good one for fuck, you. Maybe I'll take it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just turned someone on to fucking <laughs> right. Just put it in the, in the hey, what are you? Hey, that's why you got boys, bro. Right. Tom, pull this shit up. Oh. They're in shape. Double ringed ones, or you got the the weights zip tied to the thing so it sinks fast, or it doesn't tumble on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's it gets a lot of work. Then you get the guys up there that are arguing and battling over this, or or running over the stupid thing and getting caught. Dude, I've seen. I was fishing the islands, the oil islands. I don't run that at night, and I fucking see this dude's head popping up. I thought I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, is that a seal? But I saw fucking goggles. At night? Yeah, no light, nothing. Sketchy. Dude. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's fucking doing, you know? Frogman, lobster guy, huh? Ah, no, fucking stealing shit out of everyone's hoops. How they all laid right there. It looked uh, like, it looked like to me, I don't know. They they free dive those things. With the but there was no, there. there was no fucking uh, flag anywhere, no boat, nothing. And that's a far fucking swim from the shore. I mean, I can't see you being. So by one of the oil islands? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, every Dude, time that works I, on yeah. there is fucking going for dinner. Or I guess. <laughs> Here's a good one uh, about the wall, the brick wall. <clears throat> what would be your go-to method for tough, slow fishing on the brick wall? Tube. Yeah, tube or jerk bait <laughs> yeah, or, or jerk shad, jerk shad. Yeah, right. I, I've, I've done it when, when it's when it's tough like that. I've done well with like a crustacean, like a True. Like creature yeah. bait. Yeah. And I, I don't even try to pitch pockets anymore. I fucking... I, I throw it on the rock. Right, yeah. Yep. And then as soon as it lands, I just drag it off and let it free... And as soon as it hits the, the water, free spool it. Then you just feel pop, pop, pop. Exactly. I did yeah. the same thing. Eric told me to do the same fucking thing. I've got... I've probably got 50 <laughs> different jig molds at my house. I pour and tie my own jigs. And uh, for years, I fished with this uh, guy, Warren Fujinaka. Super cool guy, but... He taught me a lot about fishing that place. And a lot of it is the rate of fall. He'd be on the back with a three-eighths archy head with, you know, hand-tied little jig, you know, with a skirt. And just a craw trailer or a, like a plastic chunk trailer. Right. And I'd have a half ounce. An eighth ounce difference, all the difference in the world. But a five-eighths, even fewer. But you put a three-eighths and it was just, like Danny talked about earlier, it's, I always, on the breakwater, and this is just me, 
but because I, I like to pitch shallow, is there's a sweet spot in your lure sinking, but it also looking natural. And sometimes they want it fast, sometimes they want it slow. So I'll fish as light as three eighths. And if it's if I have to fish any heavier than three quarters, I just go home. Is it? You know, I, I don't know. Because I'm fishing in the top ten feet of the water. <clears throat> So I, but and I think you, that you're a, you're a, and you like fishing a little lighter than a lot of the calico guys too, right? It's not so much I like fishing lighter. It's just I don't think that the other stuff's necessary a lot of times. Like, so what are you for for rod selection? So some of these guys, calico people that are getting into calico fishing, say your your setup because it might be different than like a dude that's running a fucking heavy ass yeah. rod yeah. what do you like using what size rod just for me like seven to seven and a half to me is a nice length of you get enough line pull when you swing um, but enough accuracy for an underhand pitch i mean if you're pitching all night with an eight foot you know heavy rod like a, you know whatever <laughs> that's a lot of weight on your wrist so shorten it up stiffen it up and then um it's the smallest reel that'll hold I, 30 to 40 pound is fine for what i do you know, I know 65 is, but in 30 pound on the leader, I don't really go to 40, but I just make sure that everything's clean. If it's got nicks on it, cut and retie. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that is a nice balance between having enough horsepower to pull them out, enough action to feel the bite, enough action to cast the bait appropriately. Yeah, if you hook jumbo, you're going to have your hands tied. But yeah. how many times do we really get jumbo? Out of 10 trips, I'll be lucky to get, you know, one or two good, real good ones. You know, but let's face yeah. it, it's going to be a lot of three-pound three, three pound range fish, you know, mm-hmm. pound and a half to four. And you get anything over that, those are good damn fish. You know? Yeah, that's plenty. Yeah. So to me, it's all about an enjoyable fishing experience. And if I've got an eight-and-a-half-foot broomstick with a, a giant 300 on it and 65 to 40 with an ounce-and-a-half leadhead, Go ahead and underhand pitch that thing for a few hours. Tell me how you feel afterwards. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. But that's just me. Carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's a question from uh, AP. I'm a salty fly fisher and love chasing calicos with my fly rod. I've been tweaking my fly gear and tying flies in pursuit of trying to catch those big fish. I have caught some pretty good ones, but have yet to tag that grande model lo- locally. Uh, Biggest for me is uh, five pounds locally. It's good. What really triggers, good. recommendations would you recommend for a fly dude to catch those bigger models? Or should I just say, fuck it and pick up a swim bait rod? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. There's definitely a cult following with that, with, with the whole uh, fly fishing yeah. for calico. What is it? Fly fishing syndicate that has a whole yeah. sick. That's yeah. a crazy video right they have that yeah that's right. yeah, there's yeah. calico syndicate yeah yeah i'm oh, sorry yeah yeah uh, calico those syndicate are, yeah those guys are talented yeah i can't Woo. offer anything on that yeah <laughs> well i you know we had a fly fishing division for one or two oh, did years you? yeah how yeah. did that go it was cool yeah there was only like six teams but they were all like top guys they were really really good vaughn podmore uh-huh. bill calhoun dave valadez um i can't remember i'll quit al q i can't pronounce his last name um, but the, and Al Q's got a nine something on a fly rod. No way. Yeah. yeah. Fun, yeah. man. You know, what's a trip about those things though, is if it's a true and they're going by that whole IGFA fly rod category, their tippet, the heaviest they offer is 20 pounds. And that 
the tip, the you know, the bite, it wow. can't exceed twenty pounds of breaking strength. And he got it on, you know, on a. That's good. Yeah, I would say, just I'm not a fly fisher. I fished, done it a little bit, but from talking to those guys, first obviously it's going to be a location. You know, go to areas that tend to have bigger, maybe Palos Verdes, Catalina, San Clemente Island, if you can get there, maybe uh, Point Loma, La Jolla. But because those rods bend so much and the line, you know, they have to kind of plan their escape route too. They can't just march them out of the cover. So I would say that kelp on the leading edge, you know, uh, currents laying over the kelp, go out 25 yards and look for other little isolated pieces. So if you do hook a jumbo out there, you've got a better chance of getting them out. Definitely. And uh, I don't know, two-hand strip, you know, some of those guys will put that fly rod under there. <laughs> and they'll just go, wah, 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 and they'll fly. I mean, you look, try to imitate maybe what the big fish producing lures are in terms of like a swim bait, big swim speed. bait, fast, yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and that way you turn over the numbers. That would be. But again, I'm by no means a fly guy. You know. But yeah, but those guys get some good ones. But hit up those dudes. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we're at two o'clock, guys. I, I really fucked this one up, guys. Sorry. No, it was fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, hell yeah, it was fun. We had a lot of talking before for a couple hours, but uh, Pro Tools didn't work, like I said. Uh, Danny has a giveaway going, Harbor Creepers. What is that, if you want to tell everyone? For the month of uh, for the month of February, biggest, longest spotty wins. It's a nice. Daiwa Co- Coastal. Nice, Sweet. man, yeah. Brand new, in the box. Definitely, you guys checked that out. That was super cool. Uh, you want to check out Danny, go to Harbor Creepers. Eric, SWBA. Justin, uh, check out his artwork. Again, you guys will have to pick a winner right now. We'll, so we'll see who it is. And I'll just post it on the fucking Instagram. But yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Let's want, see. We'll, we'll see go. what uh, we're going to do. But yeah, you guys get to fish with Eric. That's so, awesome. Uh, That'd be fun. We got to yeah. do it. Let's go hit it up. So I'm not going to sure. I'm oh, not gonna give anybody them. that has a boat or I know that is <laughs> that asked a question that's, that shouldn't be going. All right, <laughs> Jason Quimby, you're not going, bro. You're fucking a champ already. <laughs> All right, you can take me on yours. You yeah, can you can take us, dude. Not, not. That's the thing. Most of the people on there are probably better fishermen than I am. <laughs> not all of them. All right, I got one. It's uh, Chad Johnson, CJ nine thousand. So he's the winner. I'll message cool. him and nice. let him know he won uh, the picture on a fishing trip with you. So again. It was successful. I to thank everyone for uh, you know being involved with this. We got a cool Q and A. Yeah, those ladies' questions were good too. Yeah, were really yeah. Good. yeah, definitely. I mean, more ladies the better. I need to get my fucking wife out. Still, it's hard. It's hard having the three kids. How do you? You get it right. I fucking get it. having the kids, you cannot bring your fucking wife fishing. It's like yeah. who's going to watch the kids? Yeah, you know. So, yeah. but uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you guys want to plug anything else? No, be good humans. Be safe out there. Yeah. Let's do a poker run or something this summer. That'd be fun. Yeah. Boats together. Got to go to a few different spots. For sure. Dude, yeah. Way that'd be fun. Yeah. So yeah. fun thing. Hey, let's do a fucking SWBA tournament again. Whoa. Cool. <laughs> First annual poker run. Ever. <laughs> let's go. And, uh, we start off at, uh, what's that, the Chowder Barge, maybe. We got to go to <laughs> Yeah, wow. get a, get a, get a oh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be fun, dude. Maybe we can end up in Newport. I don't know. Get some people to trailer our boats around for yeah. us. Yeah. Trailer our trailers. <laughs> that'd be fun. I've thought about doing that. Poker run. Yeah, let's do it, dude. That'd oh, be fun. Get a card at each spot. Yeah. I'm in, man. Yeah, that'd be fun. 
So sure. thanks everyone again. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for having us. Thanks. All right, guys. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> <laughs>